Thank you for listening to our Truth in Life podcast. This season, we will survey the Bible's unfolding story of redemption. From Genesis to Revelation, every book points to Christ and edifies His church. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. So, where have we come? We're doing the books of history. So we had Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st Kings, and 2nd Kings. So, Judges, what was it about? The cycle, I'll help you. Cycle. Cycle of Judges. Yep, cycle of Judges. Um, Rebellion and salvation. Yeah, yeah. God sending, sending judges to help the oppressed and then turning to true repentance in, in God, right? And then serving him. A lot of peaceful years, actually, but overall we know it by rebellion. They were asking for a king. Uh, so the next, uh, the next book that we went through was Ruth. So what, what was Ruth about? Yeah, yep. Um, uh, redemption story, yeah, us Gentiles grafted into God's family. Uh, and then First Samuel, we get the start of the monarchy. Um, Saul does evil in the sight of the Lord, and David uh, is a man after God's own heart. Second Samuel, we get the life of King David, um, and then God makes a covenant with, with David, and we get that, that promise of a Savior in his line. And then First Kings, what did we talk about last week? Dividing. The kingdom dividing, yep. So that's a big, big thing that happened um, because of, of Solomon and his, his leadership and disobedience. And then it gets into just what we are in, talking about today, Second Kings. Um, it's a series of evil kings, really, that we, we hear about. Uh, we see notable contrasts between the two rival nations, the rival kingdoms. Israel's the north. Uh, and the southern kingdom of Judah is the two tribes in the, in the south. Uh, they, they, Israel uh, has northern kings that are, that are evil. Um, they, they're wicked. They continue to serve other gods, uh, continue to provoke God to anger, and to continue to have hard hearts and not listening to the word of God spoken by the prophets. So we see that. Uh, we see in 2 in Kings, we'll see some some crazy miracles, we'll see God still sending prophets to his people because he cares for them and he loves them. Um, and we see God's power, it's, it's evident throughout the book of Second Kings. Um, it's the last book of the outlined kingdom of Israel, as we'll see the, the northern kingdom gets, uh, gets dragged off into captivity, as well as the southern kingdom eventually we'll see at the end. It's sad, a sad kind of time for the people of the Lord. Um, with that, we'll get into kind of the historical context. Here's where we're at on the timeline. Um, 930 is the division of the kingdom here. So we had, we talked about judges here in 1500. Uh, now we're into about 930, 20, 27 BC-ish, um, talking about the kings. Um, the second book of Kings covers the history of the whole kingdom of Israel, uh, Judah, from Judah to the reign of the reign of Ahaziah in Israel, and then Jehoshaphat in Judah is, is where we start out. So if you can, you can look at your, uh, on your phones on the QR code there, you can kind of zoom into this. It's, it's helpful to see just the, the, the kings in the north here 
And then the southern kingdoms, as you see, they go on a, a lot longer because this is where they were um, off into captivity. So that just kind of puts it into perspective. And then there's a rough map of the northern and southern kingdoms. You see the northern kingdom, uh, Samaria is their capital, and then the southern, Jerusalem, close to the border there. As far as uh, history of Israel, it's, it's a dark picture of degenerative kings uh, leading their people and the people following. Uh, and then it, it ends, ends up in slavery. It kind of ends up where they started 400 plus years prior. Um, the kingdom uh, of, of Israel was obviously in a, in a downturn because of their kings, but also the kingdom of, the kingdom of Judah was as well. Uh, they, their judgment wasn't as quick because they had a few kings who, who did follow God and who did, did right in his eyes. So even in the chaos, the wickedness of, of the kings, of, of people rebelling, God still kept his promise uh, throughout to David. Uh, he kept a remnant um, of David's line. When, when do you think, how is he, how is he going to do this? He works, he works it out, and, and uh, you see his promises coming to fruition um, here in 2 Kings. So 2 Kings, can, we broke it down here into three parts. Um, it's kind of confusing reading through it just quickly. You see it goes back and forth between the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah. It's just kind of hard to, to tell you all of that in one you know, succinct period. So we did the first part is Israel's kings and the prophets. We'll talk about Elisha a lot today. Uh, and then we get into part two, which we'll, we'll just look at Israel's downward spiral, uh, all of their bad kings. And then we'll get into Judah's downward spiral. So getting into part one, the first eight chapters are really dominated by the final days of, of the prophet Elijah, uh, followed by the ministry of, of Elisha, his successor. The remaining chapters outline the kind of the decline in both the kingdoms. At the opening of 2 Kings, it says Ahaziah rules Israel and Jehoshaphat rules Judah. So of Ahaziah, it'll either say about the kings that they either did, did right in the sight of the Lord or they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So if Ahaziah said he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat who made Israel sin. So, and then contrasting this, uh, Jehoshaphat, he, uh, he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them in doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So they started off in Judah with a good king, uh, trying to follow God's word, uh, while Israel was ruled by a bad king. So the theme of the book is, is really, so the leaders go, their people go. Um, if their king fears the Lord, then they'll, they will fear the Lord, they will, they will worship him. If their king does not fear the Lord, if they turn to other false gods, then they will do the same. Their people will follow. Um, just as us, us fathers and, and mothers, if we, if we fear the Lord, then our children will likely follow if we truly fear. Uh, if we do not, if we reject God's word, then they will follow in this as well. Um, in the next part of this story, we, we see Elijah and Elisha. This is the part where Elisha is becoming uh, his, his successor, Elijah's successor. So Elijah is taken up actually on a chariot of fire. He's one of the 
only people who've never didn't experience death. So we're told of this interesting kind of last day on earth. Um, it's kind of it's a reward for Elijah's Elijah's work as a prophet of God. Um, first off, Elijah and it seemed like all the other prophets knew that it was his last day on earth. It was they were he was traveling from different towns from Gilgal to Bethel, uh, looking, f uh, going to, to visit the prophets. So they were, they were going up to him and, and, and saying to Elisha, like, hey, this is Elijah's last day on earth. And he's like, he kept saying, be quiet, we, we know. Like, stop talking about it. Then um, also another interesting thing to note about this time was Elijah didn't seem like he wanted Elisha to be with him. Um, he kept saying to Elisha that he, God has only brought me so far to this city of Bethel, so you can stay here. He didn't, he didn't want him to accompany him along, which is kind of interesting uh, as well. Um, seems like if I was going to be taken up or taken away to heaven, I would want my, my friends, my family around to, to be with. And maybe he was, he was protecting Elisha from grief, or, or I don't know, but or he knew that, that Elijah would eventually come with him. But he, he does. Elisha follows Elijah, um, and, and he goes to the place where his last miracle was performed, which was when they crossed the Jordan River. Um, I'll go back to the some sort of map here. So they were over here-ish, and this is the Jordan River here. So they were crossing the Jordan, um, and he... Elijah slapped his cloak down and, and it became dry and they were able to walk across it and there was 50 prophets who were able to witness this, this miracle. Uh, and then uh, at that point, when they got over the river, Elijah invites Elisha to make one final request before he, he goes, before God takes him. And Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And um, so if he's, he's to take up this prophetic office, he wants to have authority and power of the Holy Spirit. So Elisha, Elijah um, left it in the Lord's hands. He said, if you, if you see me getting taken up by a, a, a chariot of fire, then you will, be, you will give, get the double portion of spirit. So this happens. Um, the chariot and horse of fire appear and transport Elijah away, which is it's crazy. Elisha cries out and he says, my father, my father, chariots of Israel, and its horsemen. So he, he saw it. He saw Elisha, Elijah being taken away. Sorry, they get confusing. Elijah and Elisha. But Elisha, S-H, is now kind of the main character going forward. The successor. So this, this event, uh, it's important for a, a couple of reasons that Elisha saw the, the, um, the chariot of fire taking him away. Um, it's a passing of the, of the torch. Excuse me. Yeah, take a drink. It's a passing of the torch. Um, up till now, it was Elijah's responsibility. It was his job to bring God's word to the people of Israel. But now, Elijah, it's Elijah's time. And uh, the 50 sons of prophets were witnesses uh, to see um, to see the, the power being passed down to Elisha and act very closely after he crosses back on the Jordan, he, 
he does the same miracle that Elijah did. So that, that showed his, uh, his, in, his whole, that he had the Holy Spirit with him, that he had God's power, and that he was called to this office by God. So that was, in, that was important. Um, and also kind of interesting, he asked for a double portion of, of spirit, and it, it notes just exactly two times the amount of miracles <laughs> that Elisha did over Elijah, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he returned, he crossed the Jordan, he returns back to Jericho, and he starts just kind of performing miracles and showing people that he is God's anointed, not anointed, but God's prophet. Um, and once back in Jer Jericho, the people are kind of complaining of the water being dirty, and he, he purifies it by throwing salt in the water. Um, it's purified by the Lord. And then <clears throat> the third miracle uh, is kind of a silly, silly story, but it kind of sticks out to you because it says a band of boys are kind of are making fun of him for being bald and just like, yell, like kind of mocking him for just having a bald head. And he curses him, curses these boys. And then two bears come out of the woods and just annihilate them, just attack these band of boys. That's, it's, it's pretty gruesome. I mean, it shows, shows the times that these, these boys, these sons of, of God's people were, were really just not taught, not trained to do right. Um, and it, it shows kind of what Elisha had to deal with uh, from here on out in Israel. So pretty, pretty grim picture. Um, and then it goes on to talk about Joram in Israel. He's a king. Uh, he succeeds Ahaziah. He wasn't as wicked as his parents. So that's, that's good. That's what it says about him. He got rid of, of the worshiping of Baal. And his parents were Ahab and Jezebel. So they were pretty wicked, the, the standards there. Um, but he still did use imagery to uh, worship God. So he did not do right in the sight of, of the Lord. Uh, chapters 4 through 8 record a series of miracles um, performed by Elisha. He's continuing the work of Elijah, and he tries to turn the people of Israel to God by, through these miracles. Um, he's also um, continuing the training of prophets that um, were set up in, in these different cities in, in the Old Testament, actually started by... Um, by Samuel, but Elijah had a lot to do with establish, establishing the schools, and then Elisha continued on these, these schools, and they grew, and they got bigger. Um, so not only does he, he care for these prophets, he cares for the people of Israel. Uh, although they're very far from God, uh, he still cares to send Elisha to, to the people of Israel. Um, it's, his time as a prophet was not easy, but it, it's characterized by God providing for him and, and really his, his total abundance upon God and his, his, his goodness to him. Um, he, he sees mirac a bunch of miracles happen. He miraculous, he provides for a widow and her sons. Um, he, he, bring, he gives the widow a son after being barren and then this son dies, and then he actually raises this son from the dead. Um, he makes a poisonous stew, not poisonous anymore. He, he just does a, a bunch of stuff. Um, he feeds 100 men with a few loaves of bread, kind of like Jesus did. Uh, and they're, they're very similar in, in nature, those, 
those uh, miracles. Uh, so Elijah throughout, he remains faithful to God uh, in the service of really this, at this point, this heathen nation. They're, they're not following God. Um, and so God brings upon a famine to the northern, to the north, the Israel, uh, and Samaria is besieged by the Arameans. And um, the people started to revert to cannibalism. They started eating their children. Um, and the king of Israel, it was Joram at this time, he, he actually sought to kill Elisha because of this, because he thought it was his, his fault, because he prophesied that this would happen. So even though Elisha was blamed, he still goes to God and he still provides for Israel because he causes the Arameans who besieged these, the Israelites to, uh, to hear just a huge army and just chariots and there was no one there and they, they fled and left all their stuff that they, they took from the Israelites and even all their stuff. So Israel uh, came out better than they were before that. So it's, it's pretty cool to see God's provision even through their unfaithfulness. And then we get into part two. If it wasn't already happening and what we were already talking about, Israel's downward spiral. Um, it starts out with Jehu. Uh, Elisha sends one of the sons of, of the prophets to anoint Jehu. He was, he was king of Israel in the place of Joram. Uh, he, he was commissioned to avenge the death of a few people from, from first kings. Uh, they wanted to kill Ahab for the prophets. So Jehu was sent uh, to avenge the sins of Ahab that we talked about last week. Um, he uh, killed all the male descendants of Ahab, and Jezebel will eventually die too because of him. Um, so he does this, and he also he, he continues to exterminate the family of Ahab, he, and also the priests and the prophets and servants of Baal. He kind of tricks the servants and the prophets of Baal uh, into a a gathering that he just slaughters all of them. So he does some good things. Um, they, the acts eventually seem to be more motivated by, uh, by personal ambition uh, than concern for to honoring God, because it was said of him that he took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord, uh, God of Israel, with all his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam. So he, he did some good. He, he was uh, an instrument of God, and, um, but he did not do right in the eyes of, of God. Uh, because of this, the continued disobedience, we see God utilizing the Syrians and the surrounding nations to cut off portions from Israel uh, due to their disobedience. So, um, there's a list of all the kings. Um, we, we'll get into kind of just a list of, and pretty much if they were evil or not. And well, what did we say about the kings of Israel? They're bad. Yeah, good. Um, Jehoahaz was the son of Jehu. He worshipped golden calves. He did, he did evil uh, in the sight of the Lord. He eventually, though, cries out to God, and God hears and sends a deliverer for him. Um, we see again God being faithful, even when his people are not. Jehoash in Israel uh, was the son of Jehoahaz, and he, he wins some victories in Syria, um, and he... He fights against Judah as well. So they, there's a lot of conflict between Judah and Israel and the surrounding nations. So it's all, it's just all not going very well. And then we get into Jeroboam. 
uh, the second. He reigns during the prophets Jonah, Amos, and uh, Hosea. Restores the ancient boundaries by driving out Syrians. But what this does, it kind of destabilizes the area and causes it harder or easier for the Syrians to kind of reattack and uh, eventually will lead to their demise. Uh, and then it goes on to five bad kings, Zechariah. Uh, he only reigns for six months. Shalom was one month. They all kind of killed each other to get the throne. Uh, Manahem murders Shalom and he reigns for 10 years. And then Pekahiah reigns for two years. Pekah falls in, in the godless and evil traditions. So they all do bad. Uh, and then we're, we're going to talk about Hoshea assumes the throne of Israel uh, after murdering King Pekah. He follows um, with all the rest of them. He's godless and he's exposed. He, he tries to um, make friends with Egypt and they come and check out all of his wealth and then they end up taking, taking it. The king of Assyria moves, moves in and, and they cease to exist as a country. That was 723 BC. Um, their downfall came as a direct consequence of their unfaithfulness and their wickedness. And then the Assyrians kind of repopulate Samaria, bring in surrounding peoples. And uh, we'll get into chapter 17. Talks about why Israel fell. So why it happened. It's really important for us. They turned away from God that, to, to serve other gods. Uh, just as they had been warned f from the Exodus onward. Um, they, they turned away. Uh, in the beginning verse of seven of chapter 17, it says, Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. And then it goes on to say, But they would not listen. We, but were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. And they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God. So they, they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God. They, they rejected him. They forgot all the good that God had done for them, or they didn't even know about it because they weren't told about it. Um, f fathers failed in their responsibilities uh, to talk about God's goodness. Uh, this is what happens when we, when we worship things besides God, besides the Lord, when we put our, our trust and our faith in, in things other than God and we neglect to talk about Him. Um, that's what happened to Israel. We see, we do see God's abundant grace and His long suffering in in this in this this demise. Um, he never stopped sending prophets uh, and His word to His people. So He He was there for them, um, and God He does wish all to come to Him. He gave Israel plenty of opportunities to repent, uh, to see His Majesty, to see His goodness, and and they continued to turn away. Uh, their hearts were hard, and. Uh, they were judged. God, God will judge. He is, he's a righteous judge. He'll judge us now on earth and judge us when it's all said and done. So 
we need to take warning of that. And then we get into part three, the downfall of Judah. Jehoram uh, was king in Judah, uh, becomes king while his father, so this is going back to the beginning, Jehoshaphat was, was um, king. Uh, he becomes king after he hands the crown over to his son. Um, he marries the daughter of Ahab, and, which isn't a good move. He, he, uh, he's, Jehoshaphat was good, and Je Jehoram is, is going to be known to be wicked. Uh, he introduces Baal worship. He kills all of his brothers, so he does not do great things uh, on the throne. And then uh, Ahaziah is, is next on the throne. He is, he's also wicked. Um, his mother, Athaliah, is the daughter, the daughter of Queen Jezebel and um, Ahab. And he follows in the ways of King Ahab. Um, and then it's weird because Queen Athaliah kind of takes over. She, she uh, seizes the throne. She murders uh, her grandchildren to make sure that there's no claim in there. So that's, that's the kind of woman she was. Um, not very good. Um, and then Jehu, we, we see he, he, we talked about him as an Israel king, but he actually murders 42 brothers of Ahaziah of Judah. And uh, Athaliah helps him do that. So one of the sons was actually hidden and taken, uh, taken away by a priest, Ahaziah. Uh, or sorry, Joash. He, he escaped and was rescued by the priest. So he, he is the saving of, of David's line, that the, all the sons actually didn't get killed, which is, was pretty cool. So Joash was hidden and protected for six years while uh, Queen Athalia was, was uh, in charge, and she was ended, ended up being put to death, and uh, then he started to reign. Um, there's actually Reformation at this time. They turned to God, and then uh, Jehoiada, which was the priest that saved um, Joash, he, he dies, and then Joash turns from God. So um, it's hard to know if, if Joash's faith was, was true, because he turned from God as soon as, as uh, Jehoiada, the priest, died. So, um, and then he, he, the, Joash ends up killing uh, Jehoiada's son um, after that. So he, he really does not, do, does not end his life well. <laughs> Uh, which is, it's kind of interesting to me the number of times that kings will do well and then later in life they turn away from, from God. And um, it's, it's a warning to us that what are you doing later in life when, when you're, uh, I don't know, when your responsibilities may change or uh, life, life goes on? Are you turning to God or are you turning to, to your comforts, your worldly comforts? Uh, later in life. So I think that's, that's very evident in the kings that we see. Now we get on to Amaziah in Judah. After the murder of his father, Joash, he becomes king. Um, eventually he falls into idolatry. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. It says he does, in Chronicles, it, it states, he does what is right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. So it, it was a little different on what was said about him. Uh, just kind of wonder why. I don't have the answer to that right now. Um, next is Uzziah. He's age 16 uh, when he becomes <coughs> king, and he does right in the sight of the Lord. Um, he won victories. God gave him 
uh, victory in, uh, in battles, and he ends up becoming proud and self-confident, and he enters the temple, violates God's law by uh, burning incense, and uh, he's rebuked. On this rebuke, Uzziah is, uh, he is filled with rage because he, he rebuked the king. So as soon as he is filled with rage, God makes him leprous. Um, and he's that way until his death. So he is immediately judged because of his proud response to rebuke. And then it goes on to Jotham. Uh, Jotham's Uzziah's son. He was kind of reigning alongside of Uzziah when he was uh, leprous at the end of his days. Um, but he ends up um, becoming a a good good uh, king. He beautifies the temple. He uh, he does good things for God, and uh, yeah, that's that's all about Jotham. Ahaz is unlike his father and does not honor God. So, go from a king who honors God to a wicked king. He actively is an active idolater, uh, and eventually he's attacked by Syria and Israel. Um, it's at this point where Isaiah is commissioned by the Lord to inform King Ahaz that he must uh, stop attacking Syria and Israel. So he's urged to trust God by Isaiah. Um, however, he does not. He doesn't trust God. Judah's still plundered and brought very low. Um, Ahaz was increasingly unfaithful. He took, took the treasures of the house of the God, didn't do great. Uh, then we get on to Hezekiah. He was good, son of, of wicked Ahaz. Um, he's regarded as the wisest and best kings of Judah. He reverses wicked policies. He calls the nation to unite for a Passover, and, he, and God blesses him. Um, Isaiah eventually tells him he will die, and then he asks um, God for more time, and he gives it to him. And at the end of his reign, he has... Uh, he shows uh, the Babylonians uh, the riches of the, um, the temple and the kingdoms. And uh, I think Babylon liked what they saw. So they, they come back. Um, and Manasseh is actually king next. Uh, and he does wicked. He built, rebuilds pagan worship. So we, we see this back and forth between wicked kings and, and kings who, who served God. So, And then we got... More wicked kings onward, Amen, Josiah is not a wicked king. He's good. He discovers the book of the law and it kind of creates a reform in Israel. He commits to the Lord. He calls the people to join him in, in reading the word together. And then uh, he celebrates to God with a, with a celebration. It says, of Josiah said, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. So that's pretty high praise <clears throat> for Josiah. And Jehoahaz is uh, Josiah's younger brother. He reigned three months, um, but he was, he was evil. He did evil in the sight of God. Which, and we get into Jehoiakim. Uh, he was evil. Um, Jeremiah speaks of him as, as being a bad king who will, have, uh, who will be buried with the burial of a donkey. So he's not speaking high praises of Jehoiakim. Uh, and in the third year of Jehoiakim's reign, Nebuchadnezzar 
invades Judah and lays siege to the city of Jerusalem. And then there's a few kings that Jehoiachin and Judah, um, they reign three months and ten days, kind of while the captives are getting taken away. Um, there's also among Jewish exiles, there's a, a man named Daniel who we know will become a great prophet um, of God. So he's taken off into captivity as well. Um, the last paragraph gives us some hope, tells us of Jehoiachin being released from prison 37 years after the exile. Uh, he, he is released and he ate his meals with the king of Babylon. So he, he was, uh, he's in the line of David. That's why it kind of gives, gives us hope. The, the promise still is, is coming to fruition, uh, and even though through tragedy, through the judgment of his people, God is working. That's um, pretty, pretty cool. All right, um, that concludes the outline. Um, now we're getting into Christ and his church. We see Elijah, John the Baptist, and Jesus Christ. Um, kind of uh, Elijah being the type of John the Baptist, uh, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, with, uh, and he was kind of the forerunner for Elijah. That's... Uh, and then the return of Elijah is predicted at the close of the Old Testament period um, by Malachi, which it, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Uh, and John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this. Elijah, Elisha, and Jesus Christ. Elisha is a type of our Savior. Uh, type meaning not, you know, not the Savior, but he reminds us of, of that by certain <clears throat> things. Uh, the coming of Elisha was prophetic of Christ. His name means the salvation of God. And the name of his father, uh, Shaphat, means justice or judgment. And then all, a lot of the miracles that Elisha did kind of aligned with, with Christ. And this again gets us into application. So Elijah and Elisha, more, more notably Elisha and 2 Kings, they really had a difficult calling. They... And they really could be an example to us. Obviously, we're not charged to um, bring the word of God to um, our king, our president. But we are called to bring the word of God to people in our lives and people who we live with. Uh, they had to do some really hard things. They had to point out some very nasty sin to some very powerful people. And I imagine they were pretty scared through it. Uh, Elisha trusted in the Lord. He did not fear the consequence or he did not fear man um, by what he had to do and what he had to say. Um, and it just brought up to me, what do, what, what do we fear? What, why aren't we saying the things we need to say or do the things that we need to, to do um, in our lives? What, why are we afraid of, of man's, um, what they will say about us? So. How can we stand for righteousness today uh, without fearing backlash? That's a kind of a question I want you to, to chew on. I know for me, I was, I, I was afraid of asking my colleagues to, you know, the, the Builders Conference or the Christmas concert. I'm like, they already said no to me in the past. Why would they say yes to me this time? So fear of rejection is huge. Like, it's, it's just the way we are, are, are as humans. So I, I encourage you to trust in God about the response, but do the work as, as, as he has called us to do in, in that.
Um, quit thinking and do it. Easy enough. Uh, and then we see Uzziah, his response to rebuke. I, th I thought that was pretty eye-opening. Um, really nothing too crazy about this, but how do you respond to when, when someone points out your sin? Um, I know oftentimes I don't respond well. Um, so that, that, that'll show, your response will show your heart in the matter. It's, it's, and then, uh, so you need to listen to the person who is telling you this sin that loves you. Um, and then ask God to soften your heart and, and change from it. Um, any other ideas or thoughts that stuck out to you guys? We've got a little bit of time left before we close. Thing about how like mo a lot of them it's let's evil righteous evil righteous even David's most of his sons were evil mm -hmm. I think that makes me think a lot about my children and my parenting is like even these righteous kings something went awry with their parenting and that's it makes me fearful but also encourages me in discipline and training my children because there was a lot of back and forth with you know godly parenting in the Bible yeah yeah and that was big reason why Deuteronomy 6 is such a charge to us and it was to them too but it just doesn't seem like it got done yeah okay well I also I wanted to touch on on that in that regard leader leaders have responsibility we see in 2nd Kings how many kings did evil People will follow leaders. People will follow um, <coughs> leaders of the household. Um, we're all leaders in some capacity, whether you think you are or not. And people will, will see what you do just because you say you're a Christian. Um, and it better line up with what you say or else it's, it's not true. Um, so we need to be holy for the sake of our flock. Um, if we only say these right things and then don't do them, then, then they aren't worth anything. So, do right. Okay, yeah, Second Kings shows us God's faith, faithfulness to his people. It shows us that God keeps his promise to his people, the promise of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, of the line of David. I think that's, that's just the theme throughout. God keeps his promises. And also it, it, of the promised judgment to come. Uh, Second Kings shows us God's power and control of everything. We see that throughout all the books that we've, we've seen. We see the wicked and the righteous are all subject to his command. He is an ever-present judge, and he makes it evident that sin causes death um, and destruction, and nothing will save us but Jesus, our Savior. So that's what the books point to. That's why we're doing this. And that is all for our class. Sam, do you mind? Pray. Thank you for listening to Truth and Life. If you enjoyed the series, please subscribe. And remember, from Genesis to Revelation, every book is truth to live by.